Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? This is Marcus, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Shira. And uh, we're excited uh, to bring you this episode. We have some special guests, but before I get to our guests, we want to uh, ask you all to do us a huge favor and don't forget to like this podcast. Give us a five star review. We really appreciate it. Um, and we want you to sit back, turn your speakers up really loud for this because we're interviewing an awesome couple yeah. that's going to be sharing their journey to not only debt freedom, but to how they're building wealth currently. And I know you're going to be excited. Uh, please welcome uh, my friend. I was actually on his podcast. Uh, I think it was early or mid 2020, 2021. Yeah. So I'm excited to have him on our podcast. We have Rashad and Nirvana. Thank you both for being on the show. How are you? Doing well. Appreciate y'all having us. Thank you so much. We are honored to be here with you all. Man, absolutely. We, we've been trying to get this, uh, you know, get our schedules together. We finally did. So we're happy to have you on. And yes. uh, yeah, excited to hear your story. Yeah. Appreciate so it. let's just dive in. So if it would be okay, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and all that good stuff. And then we'll hop into your debt-free story. So every time we introduce ourselves, I always go first. I'm going to give my beautiful wife, Nirvana, the honors <laughs> of introducing herself first. Sure. Well, my name is Nirvana. Um, I'm a wife and mother and educator. Um, I'm from beautiful Sacramento, California. Um, and we've been married for 16 years. <laughs> Come on now. It's usually the man that forgets. <laughs> it, it's, it's been so good, you know, <laughs> almost 16 Oh, that's great. No, it's been 16. It's been We're going, 16. On, going on 17 years. Yeah, 17. That's what I said. I said yeah. 16. I know, but you weren't that's sure. Right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm Rashad. I'm her husband. We've been married. It'll be 17 years, July 7th of next year. We have three children. We have a 15-year-old boy, a 10-year-old girl, and a nine-year-old boy. And we're both educators. I'm a school administrator. And my wife is a teacher. And, you know, we, we have come across so many other young African-American couples who have been doing the thing, you know, and it's always good to, to have these conversations and have this dialogue because we're we're excited about bringing financial awareness to other couples. So, hey, I appreciate you all for having us today. Man, absolutely, Rashad. That's, that's beautiful. And like you said, every time we sit down with another couple, we get, you know, more energized, right? And, yeah. and I think that happens to those who listen to the podcast too. It's like, man, two couples, both married, you know, both, you know, doing it. Uh, their thing financially, you know, it's, it's nothing but encouragement. So absolutely. Now 
we want to go back to the genesis of your financial story. So can you kind of give us a little insight on maybe your, your you all's upbringing with, with in regards to finance, like growing up, what, what was the financial literacy like? Yeah, so we came from polar opposites as far as finances were concerned. I had a, you know, my father was a seventh or eighth grade middle school dropout and he was a hustler. So he always had to do what he had to do to get money. He was a truck driver. And I remember growing up, my mom was a stay at home mom. So my dad had, he raised three kids, probably on $25,000 a year at the time. And he was one of those dads, he didn't believe in working extra jobs because he wanted to be there for us. So, you know, you got some people that have two full-time jobs and they sacrifice that time with their children. My dad wasn't like that. He would rather us struggle financially, but he wanted to be there at all our football practices, all our baseball, basketball practices. And we appreciated that growing up. At the same time, we we didn't really necessarily have a lot of the financial things that we needed growing up. So her, her, she can tell you about her upbringing with money. I mean, we, uh, we weren't rich, but we weren't poor. You know, we lived comfortably. Um, you know, I didn't need or want for anything. So, um, you know, to me, we were middle class, you know, we um, didn't struggle, but we had some struggles within our family, but nothing major. Gotcha. So now when, when you all met, were there any, where, where were you financially when you, when you, when you got together, were there any uh, conversations about finance or was it kind of like me and Charlotte laugh because we just got, we just got married. That's all we knew to do is like, <laughs> Hey, we were in love, you know, we'll handle that money stuff later, you know. We so, didn't really have any money anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so what was it like when you guys were, you know, uh, falling in love and then kind of thinking about marriage and stuff like that? I don't think money was a conversation for us. We just kind of the same. We were fresh out of college. We did, had terrible jobs. So, I mean, we just were in love, like you said. And, yeah. you know, we kind of figured it out along the way. Yeah, and, I, and I'll add to that. So, you know, we... I would take her out on dates with student loan money. You know, you get those student loans, you get that <laughs> refund check. So I'm about, I'm out here balling. Right. She don't know that I'm putting it on credit cards and, you know, I'm using borrowed money for it, but I'm, I'm just taking her out. So she's enjoying the, the fruits of my labor, which wasn't necessarily labor because it was <laughs> borrowed money. Right. <laughs> but, you know, we're going out, then we end up getting married. And before you know, it, we have all this student loan debt and all of this credit card debt and card debt and, you know, it kind of caught up with us as we progressed through marriage and as we had our first child. So, yep, that, that was it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that. So like what inspired your um, your um, goal to start paying off debt? Like some folks will have like a rock bottom. They have this terrible situation or um, like what was it for you all to, to um, you know, start the process to say, you know, we got a little bit of debt here. And, you know, what what motivated you to tackle it? Well, I will say we moved to Texas from Florida and, you know, after we graduated college and got married, started our actual real jobs, we were doing research on places that we could move and have two educators who could make a decent income, a decent living off of our income. And we landed on Fort, in Fort Worth, Texas, and we were making, you know, decent money, but we never had enough to show for it. We always were paying out in, uh, a ton of debt every month. So we got to the point where we were doing a whole Dave Ramsey thing and that didn't work because we had so much debt. And, but we were still like living, you know, above our means every single month. So 2011 was actually the rock bottom that you were talking about. We actually filed bankruptcy and it was, it it literally was like a devastating moment. And I can remember to this, I can recall to this day, like 
people kind of laughing about it. In the in the bankruptcy court, you got other people who are here with you filing bankruptcy as well. And when they heard our numbers, they were like, I heard somebody chuckle. And I, I tell her that story to this day. We had our, uh, maybe Neil was three months old at the time. We had our three-month-old daughter with us at the time. It was just devastating. And I felt like the man of the household, I felt my family by putting us in a position to have to be in a bankruptcy court, you know? But that wasn't the end of the story. We we filed bankruptcy and we got out of debt that way, but we still had a ton of student loan debt, car debt, because we did not reaffirm anything. We just wanted to wipe ourselves clean with the credit card debt. But we ended up getting back into debt after the bankruptcy. So, Okay, but well, before we go there, let's talk a little bit about filing bankruptcy, because obviously this is a real option for some people. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who might be thinking about bankruptcy. I mean, even as they listen to the podcast. So I think that one of the distinctions that you made is that, you know, you can file for bankruptcy, but bankruptcy will not eliminate like all of your debt, you know, just certain types. But um, in going through that process with your family, like what were some of maybe the, the pros and cons of actually going through a bankruptcy? But let me let me just be honest. Like at the time when we filed, we were so we were so you know exhausted, and we we really truly felt that was a last resort because we tried we had considered it in two thousand around two thousand eight. So we really tried to fight against it for three years. But obviously, you know, one of the regrets I had when we did it was that I didn't do it sooner because I, I wanted to take my family out of that hole a lot sooner. But once you do it, you know, you you just have to understand that it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. The worst part is if you go back to doing the same things that you were doing prior to going to bankruptcy. You have to honestly, you know, if you if I don't I don't agree with people purposefully charging up credit card debt or any kind of debt with that's that's fraud, right? So if you're gonna do all this and you know that bankruptcy is on the horizon, that's not cool. If you have made all the attempts to do the best you can to get out of debt and you just can't, you don't have all the resources and avenues and you have to do it, then I, I advocate for it. But I do tell people all the time, like, go down a different path once you get out of, you know, out of the bankruptcy. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. And, and so, Rashad, could you break down? And I think you, you might have touched on it. So you're, you, you, you go through the bankruptcy and it's canceled out a portion of your debt. But it, one thing it didn't cancel out is your student loan debt. So now you guys still have that that hurdle to climb. Correct. Yeah, we still. So after we got done with the bankruptcy, if I'm not mistaken, we still had like one hundred fifteen thousand dollars in student loan debt that we had to grind out and, and pay off. You know, yeah. so it's it's it really is not an end all be all. Gotcha. It can provide somewhat of a clean slate, but you have to go into it because if you go if you go visit a bankruptcy attorney right now, you could be making a million dollars a year. You bankrupt to them because they that's how they get paid. Yeah. So they go they go try to lead you down that path to file bankruptcy. Yeah. That's how they get paid. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We had a lot of student loan debt remaining. Like I said, we still had the car loans and things like that. So we ended up selling the cars, which we probably would have been better off not reaffirming the cars because it doesn't make sense to reaffirm them if you want going to end up selling them anyway. You know, right, right. we didn't know what we were doing. We just were so <laughs> desperate and broke at the time that we just needed to just do something. Help. Yeah, we just needed help. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thank you for being so transparent. And I think like a lot, I get a lot of questions, believe it or not, from people saying, what, what, what do you think about bankruptcy as an option, you know, to kind of restart uh, when they're in like a lot of debt. So I really appreciate the insight on this. Um, 
Well, that's the thing. Right? So in our in our community, right? It's I think you use the keyword is transparency, and I think a lot of time when you're looking at the gram or Facebook, the social media, people are not transparent enough. They just there a lot of time people front because yeah. they don't want other people to see that they struggle. So all you see on social media are people who are going through good times. So you don't see what's going on behind the scenes. You just see that you know Marcus and Shira buying up all these investment properties or whatever, but you don't see the grind that it took to get to that point. Or you don't see the financial struggle. So I, I think with conversations like we've had, and I've had these conversations with Julian and Kirsten as well about transparency and, and the struggles to get to where you are. And other people need to hear these things because they give them more hope, you know, to let them know they could be successful as well. And that's part of the process. You don't just go from here to here. You know, the struggle is part of the process. Yeah, absolutely. Very, right. very well said. Yeah. Right. So when you made the decision to tackle your debt, about how much debt did you have in, in total and what were the types of debt? So we were the, the funny. I tell this story all the time and we've had situations where our debt started out at this amount, 100 something thousand. Then it started out this amount. The official amount we use is 85,000 because that's when we started Financial Peace University. And that's the number we had. And if I'm not mistaken, that was all student loan. I'm sorry, that was student loan debt and credit card debt. Gotcha. And we had a car, a car, a car payment as well. We had the van. Yep. Yep. So student loan debt, uh, car payment and some credit cards. And it was 85,000. That's the official number. Okay. Wow. And so how did you approach that debt payoff? You know, what strategies did you use, um, to begin, um, this process? Well, I'm gonna give all the credit to my wife. We took the first week of FPU, and I think that was the debt-free series, or, or was it whatever it was? And she came to me, and you know, we had this nice van. We had just bought her with a van. That's another different story, right? <laughs> like, sometimes you got to drive a van to get out of debt because it's it's real good on gas. And we it's had cheap. a family. So yeah, we had a, yeah, we had three kids. So, <laughs> but after that class, she came to me and she said, "Hey, let's sell my van." And literally, we 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 listed it on Craigslist. And sold it like in two days and it ended up we ended up selling it on her birthday which she you know that kind of catapulted us into the next uh, stratosphere as far as paying off our debt so she i gave all the praise to her as far as you know recognizing this something that we needed to do she understood at that point the the the, the weight that the debt held me down like i was the one that was not sleeping that night and she didn't understand that necessarily you know she was sleeping peacefully, but I was struggling. So I give her the credit. Yeah, man, let's talk about that, uh, Rashad, because uh, I don't think that that's talked about enough, uh, that that weight, you know, from from a male's perspective. And for me, a lot of it was pride. Like, I didn't want to, I felt like I didn't want to tell her this is where we are. So for me, it was a lot of hiding it or trying to, you know, come off like we, we you know she laughs because she used to say hey can i can, can we buy this can we board this and i would just say yeah we, we got more, more than, than enough. enough like that was my that was my blanket term right knowing good and well man i'm gonna have to i mean i gotta hustle something to get that you know <laughs> but i just didn't want to tell her no so can you talk about the weight of it and, and maybe you know what that light bulb moment was when when she, when you finally were transparent and when she finally got it what, what that what that was like man that's a great question so we have conversations all the time about financial infidelity. Like people, you know, people always talk about regular infidelity. They just think cheating, cheating, cheating. But financial infidelity is just as bad, right? Like being, not being transparent and not being open and honest with your spouse. If you, you know, a lot of time 
the women might end up running up a 20,000 or $25,000 credit card balance because they didn't feel comfortable enough having those conversations with their husband. You know, so a lot like me, I always just took the responsibility because I was kind of, I don't know, I think I was constricting her with the budget. I was always fussing at her. Okay. And and she got mad at me because she thought I was treating her like a child with the budget. But I was just desperate. And that was just my defense mechanism because right, I was right. so desperate to get my family out of the situation that I put them in. So now it was, it was like I was punishing her right. by, you know, by, by kind of not giving her a lot of as much freedom as she wanted, you know? Right. It so, felt controlling because there was a lack of communication. So I didn't quite understand his point of view because right. we weren't talking about it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's perfect how you said it too, Rashad. Like that was your defense mechanism. Like, all right, we gotta get, I gotta, you know, get this thing under control. But as, as soon as you made it clear to her, it's like, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, maybe I should sell my car. You know, it's like it clicked. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. Absolutely, that's great. Um, okay, so now you 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 guys you, you sold the car. You made the first kind of big move. So what 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 was the rest of the journey like? Because a lot of people don't understand. Like when you're paying off debt and you get into the habit of paying it off, like you can kind of get what's the word I'm looking for? So you can kind of get uh in a groove. Yeah, in a groove, but know. also kind of just yeah, kind of just like it gets it gets tiring at times, yeah. you know, because it's such a long journey. So what was that journey like? And did you guys ever feel like you know what I'm getting tired of this, or, right. or, or was it always you know? exciting and motivating and you guys truck through it well that okay so when you when you talk about like a debt snowball or debt avalanche you listen all your debts from smallest to largest or the highest interest rate to the lowest interest rate so when you do that if you have eighty five thousand dollars and then you pay off a three hundred dollar you know credit card that's that's cool you know you get to check that off your list but when you pay off like a thirteen thousand dollar van that's that's like a big snowball. Yeah. So now that's motivating you. Now you you ready to go out there. I probably took like two part-time jobs just to help knock things out quickly, right. you know. So yeah, that was a that was a huge a huge part of the process. And like I said, I was more motivated because it was her that led that charge. She's the one who came to me and said, "Hey, let's sell my van." I didn't go to her and bully her or anything. She came to me. So right. but trust me, once she came to me and said that, it was like I wasn't there was no way that we can go back on it. <laughs> like she couldn't have came back and said, hey, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Once she put it in my head, it was over. So But I also think along the journey, we still like lived. We didn't like be so restrictive that it felt so tight. Yeah. So I think, you know, you also have to have those moments in life. You can't just be so restrictive because then it, it can't get too much. Yes. Yes. That's so true. That's so true. We tell people that a lot of time, like you got to build some flexibility in that budget too, or you're just going to be like, it's just like when, when someone starts the new year and they're like, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm about to get ripped up. I'm going to gym every day. And by January 15th, they ain't going no more because they did too much. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or by January 7th, they're not going. So how has becoming debt-free changed your life and even your outlook on money? Well, I mean, I, it's been incredible. What it has what it has done really is provide options. And, you know, my, my reason for going down the FI and the FIRE journey is not necessarily for greed or anything like that. It really is to provide flexibility and options for my family. Like, like I told y'all earlier, we just got back from... San Diego. I had never been to San Diego. We're now like 
she wants to move to San Diego when we retire. And I'm like, uh, you know, before I was saying there ain't no way we can afford it. But now I'm like, hey, maybe we can afford it. You know, like I'm not we're not telling ourselves, no, we're figuring out options and ways that we can do what we want to do. You know, so we just want to provide options. We're able to now, you know, we take the kids to see their little cousins in Atlanta a couple times a year. And we go down to San, San Antonio every now and then back to Florida. So we're able to travel and do things that really matter. You know, what about you? I think it's just, it's freeing. You don't feel the weight like you talked about earlier. You know, you have options. You can buy your time back. Every little thing that comes up isn't a catastrophe. You know, you, you have the money and the resources to like take care of the things that come up in life because they will come up and they do. So, you know, it's just, it's just, it feels freer. It feels lighter. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. I, I agree. I think we totally agree with that. And um, I heard you mention uh, fire. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you are planning to achieve financial independence? Like what steps are you taking or looking at taking to pursue that? Okay. So for anybody who doesn't, isn't necessarily uh, hip to what fire is financial independence, retire early. And so we can actually retire with our full pension in about 12 years. So I'll be getting a full pension from the Texas teacher retirement system and she'll get one as well, but I'll be 53 years old. So while we're getting our pension, it's still considered a fire because a lot of people were taught they got to work till 67, 69 and a half. And I'm like, I just don't see how anybody can work that long, you know, but you know what we're doing, honestly, to get to that point to where, we're not just relying because our pen, we won't have any debt at that time. Our mortgage will be paid off in maybe five years, but our pension can cover everything like with no problems and we'll have a great health plan. But at the same time, in order to live and do everything we want and give whatever we want, we are saving, we're investing probably about 42% of our, our income. So we have health savings account, Roth IRAs, 403Bs, I opened up a 457 for each of us last year and then we have the brokerage account. So we're just trying to invest like crazy. And that's, that's basically our plan, you know? And that's, that's wonderful. That, that's wonderful. Yes. Yes. I agree. Yeah. That's exciting. Now you, we get a lot of questions. It's like when we say we're investing in these, you know, using these different platforms for, for one, four, three uh, Roth, people will say, well, what do I invest in? Like a lot of times we tell them we use the, when we're using like statistics, we'll, we'll give them blanket returns, like seven, 8% or something around there. And people are always like, where can I get that? How can, what do you mean? 7%? What am I supposed to do? And it's like, it's, it's happening. Like, so can you break down maybe, and we're n- none of us on this thread of financial advisors. I don't, I don't believe Rashad and, and uh, Nirvana. So, so we just, we just, we just, we having a conversation that y'all listening to, but can you give people maybe some insight into where do I park some of this, this, this investment money that, that I'm trying to, you know, build? Man, great questions. Those are some great points that you made. So I have, I'm of the belief that it's not important necessarily where you put your money as much as it is the fact that you actually invest your money. Mm-hmm. And so that being said, I'm a real easy investor. I put almost everything into VTSAX, which is a total stock market index fund with Vanguard. And I I believe that it's diversified quite a bit because if I'm not mistaken, it's over 3,600 companies that you have stock in. 
Now, some people still feel you're not as diversified as you should be. You should have some kind of international index fund as well, which I'm cool with that. But I think ultimately, if you are on the fence, if you're just trying, I tell everybody who's just beginning to invest, hey, just throw whatever you can into VTSAX. It has a proven track record and you are automatically diversified. Yeah, shout out VTSAX. I think um, Rich. You give him a shout out. I know, shout out. Well, <laughs> shout out to to uh, Rich Journey. Vogel, yeah. Vogel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rich Journey. They, they, they came on our podcast and, and, and told us about that. And that changed my life when, you know, after that episode. So. Right. And I think the point is like, do something. Do something. Don't right. just sit there. Where can I? I don't know. Like, do something. Do something, whether it's through your employer. And a lot of times, um, depending on your employer, you might be able to um, talk to a financial advisor through your own employer. So, I mean, there's resources out there, but just do something. I think that's the point that we're making. And just listening to your story is so inspiring. And um, seeing that, you know, you all are married, you've been able to pay off all this debt. So, like, what advice or tips do you have for someone who, um, is in that same predicament, you know, I'll I'll defer. I'll let her answer first. I would definitely say communicate, you know, there can be those missed signals, you know, his weight and me not knowing what's going on. It's so important to just talk about it, no matter where you are, because you're a team. The goal is for you to work together through whatever it is. So I would definitely say communicate. Yeah. And I'll, I'll echo her sentiments. I believe communication is key. You know, if you're if you're not having those conversations with your spouse, then you, there's no way you can be successful. You have to be able to sit down. Even you know, you I'm the nerd, she the free spirit, right? So you just need to be able to have that open dialogue. One person might not necessarily be as excited about the conversation, but you have to have that conversation. I mean, it it, it might I don't know if if you drink. It might be over a glass of wine. You know, it might, like I told her just now, we can once once or twice a year, we can have our like net worth planning meeting where we go to Belize or wherever without the kids and just sit down and plan our what we're going to do for that whole year and what our goals are. So just do those kind of things. You got to, if you're the nerd, you got to make it fun for the free spirit. <laughs> Man, and if, uh, yeah, if you're the nerd, don't make it boring, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's some great advice. Great advice there. So, you guys paid off all this debt, man. You you're building wealth. What's next? Um, what's what's we we like to sit, talk about our ten year plan, five year plan, but but just in general, what's next for uh, uh, Rashad and, and Nirvana going forward? Uh, you know what? Right now, we're trying to, I'll say for sentimental reasons, trying to get to that million-dollar mark, million-dollar net worth mark. And my goal is to be there by the end of 2023. I think we can get there in two years. But honestly, it doesn't, it's like, I don't feel like we're rich or anything, you know? I I think that we need to continue to spread the message. That's why we started the, the YouTube channel. And I've gotten so much positive feedback from people that look like us and from teachers they're like hey i didn't i didn't know like you know i interviewed a, a teacher who's a millionaire he's like nationally renowned and people a lot of time they don't think that teachers could become millionaires and we're just trying to you know go against that yeah traditional belief you know i think the beauty of being debt free is that even if you don't know what's next you have options it's not um nothing is set in stone so you have the possibility to dream whatever you want to in your life. You know? 
very well said. And that, to me, that's that's what I love the most is just just options, just just you know what I mean. And and I love that. So thank you both. Um, thank you both for that. Chai, did you have any any last questions or any? Yeah. Um, oh, I gotta check in. Oh Lord, no! I was just <laughs> gonna ask. Um, so where can folks learn more about your story? So you can basically go to the Wealth Building Educator on YouTube. I had something in the New York Times over the summer. You know, I have an interview as well with his and her money that's that we did together on YouTube. And then we should have something coming out with Anthony O'Neill pretty soon. We did an interview a couple of weeks ago with him. But, you know, just ultimately, I just want to thank you all for providing this platform for everyone because just being able to see people that look like us you know when you're going through the debt-free journey seeing like like black people do debt-free screams and things like that like you it's rare so you start going you know doing research and that's how i came across his and her money and you all and rich and regular and it's just amazing to be able to actually meet you all and talk to you all and figure out how you did it and you know, my, my next goal is to hopefully possibly get a rental property or something. I know y'all doing the big there, but I, I have a I have a phobia or a fear of bad tenants. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do that. I might just keep doing an index fund route for now and go from there. So <laughs> he's laughing. He's got some stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But hey, you guys are doing some dope stuff and 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 and. I really appreciate those words because uh, it's encouraging for us. And I, and I, like you said, I love this community because man, we're seeing a bunch of couples that are like doing it, you know, and, and it's just very inspiring. And I know to our listeners out there, I'm sure it's inspiring to them as well. So thank you. Thank you both for, yes. for sharing your journey and for doing the work and, and, you know, thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we'd like to thank you for, checking us out till next time this is marcus and i'm here with my lovely wife Shira. we're gonna holler at y'all on the next one peace bye